Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 353. It's titled, The Pros and Cons of Infinite Banking and Whole Life Insurance. I don't remember much about my university days, but one presentation I do remember from a finance class. It was a student that sold life insurance, apparently, for a company called A.L. Williams. And he introduced a phrase I had never heard before. And he said it over and over and over again. Buy term and invest the difference. What he meant was buy term life insurance. The type of life insurance that you pay a fixed premium over a set period of time, say 10 or 20 years, and then the life insurance ends and you're no longer insured. Term life insurance is cheaper than permanent life insurance. Permanent life insurance, such as whole life insurance, is life insurance you keep throughout your life. And there's an investment component to it that I'll explain in a few minutes. The idea behind buy term and invest the difference is the purpose of life insurance is to protect against the loss of human capital, our earnings power. As we get closer to retirement, we have less human capital because we're not going to be working as long. And ideally, we have sufficient retirement assets that we don't need that life insurance protection. After hearing that presentation and other things I've read about the topic, I was down on permanent life insurance policies, like whole life. They seem more complicated. The premiums were higher, and I've seen families purchase them and not maintain them. On average, about 6% of individuals let their life insurance terminate each year, letting it lapse by not paying the premium or by surrendering it and collecting any cash value that is available. Because term premiums are less expensive, it seems less likely that term policies will lapse. I have two term life insurance policies that are coming to an end, two $500,000 policies. I see now one of the disadvantages of term life insurance. If I want another policy, I have to go apply again, and the insurance company will rate me based on my health. I've had some health issues that have come up in the last 20 years that could make me uninsurable. If I had purchased permanent life insurance, such as a whole life, I'd still have that policy in place for the rest of my life. And so I wouldn't have to worry about insurability. I've had a lot of questions over the years about whole life insurance, about infinite banking, which I'll discuss later in the episode. And I'm not an insurance expert, but I'm less skeptical about insurance policies 
than I used to be. I met with insurance agents from Northwestern and others and never bought anything except these two term life insurance policies. That's it. But then the 2008 financial crisis hit. I saw how retiree portfolios were decimated. I attended an insurance conference where they discussed all types of insurance products, but I was particularly taken by income annuities, immediate annuities, and could see how helpful they could be for retirees to ensure that they had lifetime income. I discussed income annuities in episode 326 and episode 279 of the podcast. In considering term life insurance versus permanent life insurance, I was surprised that there's actually more permanent life insurance policies underwritten each year. In 2020, 59% of individual life insurance policies were permanent life insurance, like whole life. 39% were term life insurance. Now, the face value of term life insurance was more, about $1.3 trillion, because premiums are lower, the insured can get a bigger death benefit. And so the overall face value of the term life insurance underwritten was $1.3 trillion versus a half billion dollars for permanent life insurance. After studying the insurance industry, I was even the investment advisor to several medical malpractice insurers. I've learned some things that insurance companies do very well. First, they know how to assess and manage risk. They have actuaries that know what the exposures are. The second thing is insurance companies know how to invest, and they benefit from a very long time horizon because they plan on being around. They're conservative investors. As individual investors, we can benefit from the expertise that insurance companies have in managing their general account, where they invest in corporate and government bonds, mortgages. They might have allocations to stocks and alternative investments. Insurance companies are very good asset managers. And the third thing insurance companies do well is they offer risk pooling. When we purchase an immediate annuity, for example, we're protecting against longevity risk. And if we live into our late 80s or early 90s, it's the premiums from other annuitants that are paying our living expenses. Because by that age, we have received much more in income than we actually paid in to purchase the annuity. Life insurance is the same way. It offers risk pooling. Not everybody's going to die this year. Those that do, there's a death benefit that is paid for out of the premiums for those that didn't die. I've stated in the past that it's better to keep investments separate from life insurance, principally because people let their permanent life insurance policies lapse and because the policies can be complicated and many individuals just don't understand what they purchased. But for some individuals, Perhaps many individuals, there can be a role for permanent life insurance. There are a number of benefits of whole life insurance. First is insurability. Like I said, I'm stuck. I probably couldn't buy another life insurance policy if I wanted to. Whereas had I had a whole life insurance policy, it wouldn't be an issue. For that reason, many parents buy whole life insurance policies for their children when they're young because at that point, they're in good health, and there's no issue if they happen to get some type of illness in the future that might make it more difficult to get life insurance. 
The second aspect or benefit of a whole life insurance policy is the guaranteed death benefit. You get a certain amount if you die. And in the U.S., that amount is tax-free. Some other benefits or aspects of permanent or whole life insurance is the guaranteed fixed premium. Your premium doesn't go up. Another benefit of having a life insurance policy, a permanent life insurance policy, is it can fund your legacy goals. If you wanted to set aside a certain amount of money for a charity or for your beneficiaries, your children, it could be funded with a life insurance policy rather than having to take it out of your existing assets. Having a permanent life insurance policy could help you overcome hesitancy about purchasing an immediate annuity. When we purchase an annuity, we have to take assets from our portfolio and give them to the insurance company. Our portfolio value drops, but in return, we get a monthly payment for life. But if we have a permanent life insurance policy that'll pay out if we die, that sometimes can help us overcome that hesitancy to purchase an immediate annuity. A whole life policy consists of the death benefit, but also there's a savings vehicle. And over time, that savings vehicle, that cash value grows. That's an asset of the insured. Retirement researcher Wade Faw points out that cash value works double duty. It helps fund the death benefit, but it's also your asset. So the insurance company that's promising the death benefit when the insured dies, they only have to come up with the difference between the promised death benefit and the cash value of the policy. So the actual amount that has to be insured, that gap, shrinks over time. And so the cost of insurance over a lifetime ends up being less than with a term policy that is kept for many, many years because in that case, buy term and invest the difference, that difference is invested away from the insurance company. Now, obviously, the actual premium paid for a whole life policy is higher because of this savings aspect. With that cash value, the owner of a whole life policy gets tax-deferred portfolio growth. It's a way to grow assets without paying taxes on an annual basis due to income or capital gains. And for many individuals, high-income individuals that have maxed out and have met the limits on the defined contribution retirement plans that are available to them, having a permanent or whole life insurance policy where some of that premium is building up that cash value over time on a tax-deferred basis can be very compelling. Whole life policies have a guaranteed minimum return on that cash value. In the current environment, it could be 1% to 2%, but there could also be an additional return, perhaps 4%. It depends on the interest rate environment. It depends on the performance of the insurer's general account, but it is often higher than that guaranteed minimum. That guaranteed minimum is similar in return to corporate bond funds. Right now, for example, the yield of maturity on the iShares investment-grade corporate bond ETF is 2%. In addition, if you purchase your whole life policy from a mutual insurance company, an insurance company that's owned by the policyholders, you can get dividends based on the performance of the overall insurance company, as opposed to publicly traded insurance companies where those dividends are going to the common stock shareholders. Before we continue, let me pause and share some words from this week's sponsors. 
If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. With whole life policies, there's a guaranteed minimum return. The cash value grows over time. There's also what's known as universal index life, where that cash value, the return on that is tied to the price appreciation of a stock index or some other asset. So there might not be a minimum payout. The idea of that is to be able to earn a potentially a higher return. I prefer whole life policies because they're simpler, they're more straightforward. There's the guaranteed return. I know it's going to be similar to a bond fund, but with protection to the downside. The cash value won't go down with a whole life insurance policy. Now, when we talk about buy term and invest the difference, and that student's argument was you could earn more investing on your own than in putting the money with the insurance company. But we have to recognize that insurance companies are conservative investors. And if you have, let's say you're in your 40s and you've built up a cash value in your policy, and a PLUS member asked about this the other day, this couple has a whole life policy with a built up cash value, and they wanted to know whether they could now take more risk in their retirement accounts because they have this cash value. And I think they can because we can consider that cash value like a bond, like a fixed income allocation. 
It offers downside protection and allows investors to invest more aggressively with the remaining assets. It was the same concept we used with immediate annuities by having that guaranteed income stream. An investor could take their remaining assets, the remaining retirement assets, and invest those more aggressively, have a higher allocation to stocks than they might otherwise. The other benefit of this cash value, and Wade Faw points this out, the retirement researcher, is it can serve as a volatility buffer in retirement to help mitigate sequence of return risk. If the stock market falls sharply in the first few years of retirement, rather than sell those portfolio assets, a whole life policyholder could borrow against the cash value. This gets to what is known as that infinite banking concept, which was developed by Nelson Nash back in the 70s. And the idea is the cash value serves as collateral for a loan from the insurance company. And because that cash value is there, there's not a whole lot of underwriting being done. It's, it's a very simple way to get a loan. The interest is 5% to 8%. Sometimes it can be lower. Some states put a cap of maximum on what that interest could be. The idea is to borrow on that cash value. And, and if you're using that so you can avoid selling other assets, that can serve as a buffer. I had a question from another member on infinite banking, and he was looking at whether he should borrow from a whole life policy in order to invest. That gets a little more tricky because that interest rate of 5 to 8%, while lower than perhaps a personal loan from a bank, it's still not a super low interest rate. A few episodes ago, we talked about reverse mortgages which can also serve as volatility buffer. And, and those rates on a reverse mortgage were about 3%, so much lower. In a recent Plus episode, we looked at a home equity line or a cash-out refinance and taking those assets and investing them. And again, the whole idea is if, if you could earn more on that investment than you're paying an in interest, then you can come out financially ahead if you can actually earn that higher amount on those investments. Many whole life policies have what is known as non-direct recognition, which means that the cash value continues to grow, at least at the minimum rate, even though that cash value is being used as collateral for a loan. That effectively lowers the borrowing cost. If the minimum return on the cash value is 2% and the interest rate on the loan is 6%, then the effective borrowing cost on that collateralized loan would be 4%. That potentially makes it more compelling relative to other borrowing options. There's a paper I'll link to by Wade Faw and Michael Finke that looked at an integrated approach combining an immediate annuity, whole life insurance with investments and compared a retiree using that approach with just relying on investments. And what they found, and it was a very detailed analysis, a robust analysis, but they found that integrated approach actually allowed for higher spending in retirement because of really the risk pooling you get with the immediate annuity and to some extent the insurance policy, but also the guaranteed return on that cash value allowing for more aggressive investing with the remaining assets. 
Now, these type of analysis are all based on assumptions, but the point is there are aspects of insurance products that can be very, very helpful in managing our wealth and protecting us. Now, there are definitely some cons or negatives to whole life insurance and infinite banking. The first is it can take years to build up cash value because there's a commission that needs to be paid to the insurance agent. And so it could be 10 or more years before that cash value is meaningful. A second con is that this is a long-term commitment. Because it takes so long to build up the cash value, given the upfront fees, you don't want your policy to lapse. So you want to make sure you have the cash flow to cover the policy for decades to come. You have to have the discipline to say, yes, this is going to be a savings vehicle. The cash value will be my asset. I will not just surrender that asset away. The other con is you need to have the risk tolerance to invest the rest of your portfolio more aggressively as that cash value builds. Otherwise, if you continue to invest, your, you're building up a cash value, but then you just ignore that cash value in your other investing and you have a, a large percentage in bonds, in that case, the overall return for your portfolio will probably be less than if you just bought a term life insurance and invested the difference. We have to incorporate that cash value as one of our assets, just like we need to do with an immediate annuity, consider that one of our assets. And then another con is these policies can get complicated. There's additional riders that you can purchase. There are different versions. I mentioned universal index life. So it's critical that you actually understand the policy. We need to be able to explain any policy or any investment that we enter into, be able to explain it and understand it and understand how it fits into our overall portfolio. And finally, we need to understand the company, the mutual insurance company. Now, what's its rating? I think it's better to purchase from a mutual insurance company with a very high rating, something like New York Life or Northwestern Mutual if you're based in the U.S., because there's no conflict there. They operate for the benefit of the policyholders because the policyholders own the insurance company, and then you also get the potential additional dividends as a policyholder. I don't own a whole life insurance policy. I probably won't get a whole life insurance policy because I'm not sure I'll qualify and I have sufficient assets elsewhere. I will definitely, as I get closer to retirement or official retirement age, consider an immediate annuity. But if you're looking for an additional way to grow your portfolio on a tax-deferred basis with a guaranteed minimum payment, plus the benefit of permanent life insurance that you don't have to worry about having to renew. If you're looking for an asset that you can tap and borrow against in the case of emergencies through a loan from the insurance company using that cash value as collateral, not having to pay taxes on that loan amount, there are definite advantages to whole life insurance, permanent life. It's important to understand the tools that are out there to see if there are a good fit for our particular situation. That then is episode 353. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you'd like to learn more about investing, there's two ways I can help with that. First, consider joining my weekly email newsletter, The Insider's Guide. 
It's where I share the links to the research that was used to prepare that week's episode. It's also where I share an essay on money, investing, and economy. The newsletter is something I'm really working on improving to make it more valuable to you. And you can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.com. The second way that you can become a better investor is by becoming a member of Money for the Rest of Us Plus. Whether you're just starting to save for retirement, you're nearing retirement, or you're in retirement, Plus membership has the tools and resources you need to achieve your financial goals and have peace of mind. With Plus membership, you get access to a proven investment approach and expert portfolio insights delivered in a clear and concise style you can understand. If you'd like to learn more about Money for the Rest of Us Plus, you can do that at moneyfortherestofus.com. We'd love to have you as a member. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I've not considered your specific risk situation. I've not provided investment advice. This is simply general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week.